0: Episode 32, The Postman Alright, sequel questers Jeremy here Right off the top, I want to give you a heads up That this episode was recorded Last year, prior to the election I was unavailable the night of recording And unable to join Adam, Jeff, Justin And all of the fun this episode brought with it I recently watched The Postman In prep for editing this episode And, as such Adam asked me to share a few of my thoughts On the movie up top First off, it's long, three hours long. Having an eye for editing, my guesstimate is there's probably about 20 minutes or more that could be taken out and make this film more impactful, mostly by tightening up loose scenes. Next, the forced love connection. As soon as the postman slept with Abby, you knew her husband was going to die at some point soon. Then, well, the rest of it is just an awkwardly forced love connection. Acting-wise, Will Patton kills it as the, quote-unquote, evil copy machine-selling villain of the movie. Yet, Kevin Costner left something wanting, really. Uh, I I found a lot of his lines were kind of dry or just poorly said. Maybe that's his character playing a role, but I, I wanted more from a protagonist than just a Poor conman who couldn't even con himself into believing what he was selling. But overall, it was a decent movie and not the worst movie of all time. Here's looking at you, After Earth. As far as post-apocalyptic movies goes, it's pretty decent and gives an actual viewpoint on how society would attempt to regroup and function post cataclysmic events, post-apocalyptic, like, well, it's post-war, really. Bad timing and bad luck on this movie's release, as it just really mired it in the Lost Column. Well, enough from me and my thoughts. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. A journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities with your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now.
1: You have arrived. Yes, the restored United States welcomes you to this episode of Sequel Quest indeed indeed if you've made it this far we appreciate you coming in for this episode and really if you've seen this film you've endured more than most so hey
2: careful already <laughs> <laughs> so
1: let us uh just jump right into the the excitement that is sequel quest let's get to hear our uh, our mail carrier hosts postman jeff hey postman justin what's going on and I'm Postmaster General, Adam.
2: Yeah. Can I claim
1: to be General, the General tonight?
3: Yeah, no, dude, it's all you. You don't Not want to fight with over that. It? intro. No, 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 no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you must praise the movie, Exactly. If go you're going to bash, especially because we just did Supergirl, my friend. Supergirl. Uh, yes.
1: Okay, so <laughs> with that, uh, tonight, today, <laughs> this morning, this afternoon, in the dead of winter, in sleet, rain, hail, or snow. Today, we're talking about The Postman from 1997. Yeah. Produced, directed, and starring Kevin Costner. Okay? Not just Kevin Costner. Who else did he bring along for the ride? Well, none other than Will Patton, Lorenz Tate, Olivia Williams, Giovanni Rabisi, Tom Petty, and a whole lot of Costner relatives. Yeah, we're going to get into this. We are definitely going to get into this.
3: Wait, so can we talk about whatever happened to Lorenz Tate? Yeah. Well, he was 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 big big right
2: after this. And then he did crash, and then he got killed by Justin Timberlake. Or no, uh, not Justin Timberlake, the other one. And then, you know.
1: Joey Fatone?
2: No, no, no. What's his name? It's it's the other one, the guy. The that other Jt
1: Chazé. Jc Chazé. No, he
2: just looks like him from Crash. The guy that that um well, was married. Well, he looks like Harry to... Cotic Junior. No,
3: oh my gosh! Have you not seen Crash? <laughs> no, Come on Justin, help it. me out here. I don't even remember that movie. <laughs> oh
2: my gosh! It won Best Picture.
3: people. No. no,
2: it's uh uh uh. uh, uh the guy. Oh dang it! Whatever, I love, but I love he it was the guy who shot Lorenz, Lorenz Tate. Tate in Crash. Okay.
3: And then and then he left the movies. No, he's still working. Yeah. Cordy of he DB. He is. He's but that was big today.
2: claim to fame. He won an Oscar. I always Just knew... like our friend Omid.
1: Oh, there we go. Wait, no. he won Omid won an Oscar.
2: Well, he was in he was in Argo.
1: Oh, that's well. So he technically he won it with everybody else. Go Omid. Exactly
2: just like. <laughs> go Omid.
1: <laughs> so um, but I was gonna say Lorenz Tate, like I remember him from uh seeing just the trailer for the movie Dead Presidents. They just oh, had some yeah. really cool iconography of these guys robbing a bank, and they had their white face paint on and their anyway, that 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 and he was a bully on an episode of Family Matters where he fought yeah. Urkel in a boxing ring. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty great. Awesome.
1: But we we're, we're, we're looking at Lorenz Tate and we're skipping over Kevin Costner, the star, the man, uh, I guess the, where were you guys at as far as like fandom or appreciation for Kevin Costner? Cause this was kind of the end of his boom period.
2: Take it away, Jeff. <laughs> uh, well, if we're just talking about Kevin Costner, one, I'm not sure that that's exactly true. This is kind of well, no, that's not true either. Because I was gonna say this is the end of his de- directorial, but that's but then he went off and he did Open Range, which Open Range got rave reviews, and I mean the one he directed previously was Dances with Wolves, which he won best director for. So, uh, I mean, he's had an interesting career. It's funny. I've n- I would never say that I love like kevin costner but i seem to end up liking most of his movies i mean like even you know they endlessly bash on robin hood prince of thieves because kevin costner is doing a pretty bad english accent but as far as a movie is concerned i really really enjoy it Wait, he's not pretty doing pretty an accent
1: at all in that movie what are you talking well, about for so, him that's even, an accent oh, that's costner <laughs> <doesn't> do <accents. laughs> but see that movie for me Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that's my Kevin Costner. I mean, that was yeah. that was a huge movie Field for me. Field of Dreams, baby. Oh, yeah, Field of Dreams. A, yeah, that's good. Bull
2: Durham. I just watched Bull Durham the other night. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Sorry, oh, really? Everybody. I always hear of... about
1: it. But, yeah, yeah,
2: if you're into baseball or Susan Sarandon or Tim Robbins, then... Yeah.
1: Well I think I voiced my opinion on Tim Robbins in right, uh having episode seen to none
2: of his movies. Yeah. Yeah. Howard the Duck.
1: <laughs> good mo- good job, Tim Robbins.
2: <laughs> I don't like Tim Robbins. I mean I haven't seen Shawshank Redemption or Mr. River, <laughs> but I don't I don't like the two movies I've seen him in. Oh <laughs> Sucker Proxy you said. Yes. <laughs>
1: all right. So but yeah, but but Costner, I mean he he was on a really big run. I mean, even Wyatt Earp and all that, like he, people were pretty big on him and they trusted him obviously to make a film. And uh, and he did make a film in this case. He did. And he I, made it. Once again. He he accomplished that at least. Now the one thing I'll I'll say up top is this movie cost eighty million dollars to produce. And how much do you think it brought in at the box office? I Christmas think I saw Day? it was like one point six million. Well no, no eighteen. Eighteen million. Yeah.
2: It made five uh, million its opening weekend. Yeah, we, but let me just so now <laughs> I'll start it off right here. Let me let me do my diatribe right now yes, because so I don't fair. want this to go on three hours, much like the movie. <laughs> is what continues to baffle me, and it's funny. Most people, if they if you ask them what Jeff Campbell Smith's favorite movie is, a lot of people will say The Postman, and that's not true because it's not my favorite movie. Water but World. more than any other movie I think I have ever seen, this movie baffles me because of how much negativity is around is surrounding it. I mean, it won the Razzie for worst movie and I to this day have no re- no clue why because I think it's a pretty darn good movie. Right. And I mean, even some of the like even uh, we just rewatched it and I was well, let me throw this out too. I was a little bit nervous because my wife had never seen it before, so we were going to watch it together and I was kind of like on one hand, I'm like, well, okay, maybe she can finally tell me why people think this is such a horrible movie, but I was a little nervous about that. And then she watched it, and she was like, uh, nah, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't my favorite. And I'm like, okay, was it the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh, heck no. How could anybody say that? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I continue to be baffled, and the only answer I've come up with, and maybe you guys have more answers, except for I think both of you enjoyed it at least the first time we saw it, is that one... This movie came out the exact same weekend as Titanic. So nobody went to go see this because everybody was seeing Titanic three, four, and five times. And two, this was probably ten years before the big post-apocalyptic fad. This was in the – like everyone was making apocalyptic movies. They were making Independence Day. They were making movies about the end of the world. But they weren't really making movies about – after the end of the world and certainly not hopeful movies about after the end of the world so that's my only take i mean i could see some people saying that it might be long and boring except for none of the reviews have critiqued it for that they're not boring it for
1: not at funny. all no <laughs> and
2: i i mean the awesome thing and even judy commented on the same thing which judy is my wife in case i haven't mentioned her name um is that I think, despite the fact that it's a three-hour movie, the pacing and the storytelling goes really well. And it doesn't—I it, mean, there are a couple of moments where it drags, but for the most part, for a three-hour movie, I think it holds the audience pretty darn well for a three-hour movie.
1: Yeah, well, let, let's let's get into this, because you alluded to the fact that this is a film that you, Justin, and I actually went to see together in theaters in 1997, So Mm -hmm. we we went together, Justin, do you recall? (laughs) Nope. Because Titanic
2: was sold out and three guys didn't want to go see it.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) I I was not interested in Titanic at all. Zero. Zero. Um, and so we went into this. Now the one part of it that I I was unsure of, because I'm pretty sure this movie's this movie's rated R. When I wa- rewatched it on Amazon, it's listing as PG-13 now. But it's if it's PG-13, it's getting by just like uh, Titanic did with PG-13 with their uh, little risque moment. But. Um, but I so I don't know. Like I was 15 when this came out, and I you guys may have been 17, may have just turned 18. But I'm just like, how did we get into this movie? Did did we like buy tickets for? Because the other movie that came out that weekend, Mr. Magoo, starring Leslie Nielsen, so maybe oh, we bought Mr. Oh, Magoo tickets and then went and saw the Postman instead. I don't know. A little theater hopping. That sounds experience. familiar. Yeah, but um, but but yeah, but we walked out of that. I remember us being excited about this movie. We thought it was awesome. Like it, it was, it was to us. We're like, wow, that was really epic. And then that's when I started hearing like about all the, all the negativity. Like you know, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down. You know, and then like Jeff said, the Razzies. All that happened. That was the worst director, worst actor, and you know, worst movie. I mean, it got, it got all three. But I went after this movie came out on VHS, I bought it and I watched it like it was it was a regular watch for me from like 1998 to 2000. Like I so how many hours I invested into it. I don't know. But but, you know, so for me, like it was uh, it it was something I appreciated And, and for its moments of cheesiness and maybe over you know, over saccharine moments, you know, it it actually I think is a, a good little story, a good little allegory unto itself.
2: Yeah, I don't think anything about it is gonna be little though. That's, they <laughs> yeah. don't they don't try and do anything little. Yeah.
1: Now now Justin, you you said you just went back and watched it recently, right?
3: Yeah, I I don't remember going to see it in theaters. Um I know that we saw it together and I know Jeff had um mentioned last time we were together that we made fun of the moment where he like takes the um letter out of the kid's hand like rips the <laughs> kid's like hand off or his arm off or something. Yeah, yeah, we thought we, that was really hilarious when we were kids. Yeah. Uh I so I don't remember seeing it back then, but I uh did watch it recently and I have to say, sorry Jeff, I did not like it. I in fact disagree with you about the pacing of it. I thought there were so many moments that they they cut the scene too short or it went on too long um, The for me it just felt really choppy and Kevin Costner's performance in it like when he was doing the Shakespeare or just really any part of it I just didn't really believe him I even felt like his um, his blase nature in the beginning of it felt Kind of fake and a little bit too goofy. Um, I just I didn't believe the goof and I didn't enjoy the goof. It just felt weird and off to me. Um, and yeah, I I there was little for me to hold on to uh, in this movie. And. I really couldn't tell you why, other than I just didn't really buy anything I really um like is it will Patton, yeah the
1: bad guy, yeah, yeah I thought yeah. he did
3: a great job well th- that's the thing uh, for me like
1: lot. like he he is a fantastic villain, like will Patton as general Bethlehem is just he's he's really unforgettable, I mean he's got this like his forced like aristocratic arrogant tone you know that he, yeah everything he, he just says has
3: that about that presence about yeah. him. That I'm,
2: yeah dude well and, and i hate you yeah. <laughs> one question for you though justin because because even that like I, I totally get that i mean i, I don't necessarily agree but I, I totally get what you're saying but it's like even with all of that in a year where mr magoo came out would you still watch this movie and be like this was one of the worst movies i've ever seen
3: um i don't know if it was one of the worst movies i've ever seen but it it's 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 down there
1: well, I I, th- I think like, I
3: really, like I like that movie Superman more than I liked this movie.
2: Well, I don't know what that means, but but that <laughs> I mean like Supergirl, for example, we we just watched Supergirl. No, Supergirl
3: was way worse than this movie. Right, like
2: yes. I, again, I love bad movies. Like I like for my for my bachelor party before I got married, I went to go see. Uh, oh, what was that Guillermo del Toro movie? With the giant monsters punching giant robots. Pacific Rim. Uh, Yes, (laughs) Pacific Pacific Rim. Now, that is a bad movie. Like, the lines in it are ridiculous, and it's just the premise is horrible. It's like, that's a bad movie. So, like, for this, because that's the other thing I would like to point out, too, in my constant, and don't get me wrong, like, this is how I got through college. I was known as the guy that constantly fought for for The Postman. And I was going to make a musical out of it, but then I lost my moment. Wow. <laughs> um,
1: that was me. Exactly. Was well, me. also it comes from the
2: fact that I'm not actually that creative, so I was just going to like reproduce the actual thing and then rip off songs from other musicals. Wow. Uh, but the one thing I would like, <laughs> like to point out Hamilton. is that Yes, it did win the Razzies, and I think like it, the Razzies lost all credibility in my eyes at this point. But it was also nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Science Fiction Movie of the Year, and Best Actor, and Best Supporting Actor. Now, granted, the ones that it was running against was like Starship Troopers, and <laughs> yeah. it lost to Men in Black. So, the Saturn Awards are maybe not like the most credible around, but I didn't know they existed. But yeah. so there you go.
1: But there what people go. what people should know is that so uh, the postman is actually based on a novel. So, so there was a novel that was in its right. itself critically acclaimed, and then it was adapted. Now, um, the, the author actually said that there was kind of a bidding war for the rights to the postman. So it, it was kind of a sought-after project, and his huh. wife had said when they saw Field of Dreams, she's like, Kevin Costner should play your postman if they ever make a movie. And then years later, Kevin Costner got a hold of it. And the author was just thrilled. And he even – he was a fan of the film. He said it captured the heart, the hopefulness, and everything I was going for, which I which I find cool. interesting. But, Jeff, you the, actually read the oh, novel, right?
2: Yeah, I did. And it's the int- – and that was, I was going to build off of that is that one – and it's interesting, and that's the one critique that the author does have of the film is that he – and if you read any of other David Brin's uh, other novels, he's like what you call like a science fiction or like a, a tech science fiction writer, where it's like it's like Isaac Asimov, where he is very scientific in his science fiction. So like in. The postman, it's much more techno post apocalyptic, whatever. Like the final battle in the book is he's like wrestling with a cyborg, so it's a little oh, it's bit different. more like steampunk than a little bit. Maybe it, it kind of reminds me, at least visually, of um, what's the video game Fallout, Fallout. Oh yeah, three that or four, I think that's out right now. Um, but that's the one cool. thing that I think was so interesting, and this is what what I love about the book the movie and what he said about his book is the fact that what he wanted to do in writing the postman which he wanted to be different than other post-apocalyptic um novels is that post-apocalyptic novels are traditionally or genre which now i mean like especially if you watch the walking dead or like all of these um Uh, what's the Resident Evil movies that are coming out, or even the Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and all of these zombie movies that are about apocalypse, is the interesting thing about the post-apocalyptic genre is that it basically is about the idea that the old world is dead and this new world has been born. Like That's the whole idea with The Walking Dead, is that they're living in this new world where zombies are a reality and those that cope with living in this new reality are the ones that survive. The interesting thing for me is that David Brin wrote this novel saying, you know what, I don't think that's what the future would be like. I think after the apocalypse, people would long for that structure that we had back with the government. They would long for things. And if somebody showed up with something as simple as like a bag of mail claiming to be a postman, I think they would gravitate towards that. And it would be this like hopeful rallying cry. So he actually wanted – he wrote a inspirational post-apocalyptic novel, which for me in my – like that I'm aware of, like this is – this is pretty much the only one that I would say is an inspirational post-apocalyptic story. Mm-hmm. Cuz like you always have I mean like even Mad Max will have like a happy ending but it's by no means inspirational. Yeah, it's the by world, no the world means is like. just
1: yeah it, it shambles and, exactly. but, and everybody's it just getting worse and worse. This is the yeah. best
2: we can ever do. <laughs> Whereas the awesome thing and this is well we'll get into it when we get into our pitches but that's the interesting thing that I think about is that if you go back now is that they filmed it or they released it in 1997 and it was set in 2013 Mm -hmm. so obviously we've passed 2013 now but the reason for doing that is they wanted to set it in like you know 20 years from now so it was like within reach it was like not that far in the future and then in the end you you see they flash forward to 2046 and it looks like the world is back together again And like, that's for me, that's, that's what makes this so unique of a story is that we actually, we, the apocalypse comes and then we rally together and we pull ourselves back together again. And then for that, going back to Justin's point a lot of the elements then that I think could be slow or could be weird. I mean, even like Tom Petty showing up and the fact that, you know, he is like admitted, I think intentionally Kevin Costner is a horrible at all of his Shakespearean stuff. But I think that's the point. I think he's a bad con man. Um, But the same thing that like, if the world fell apart and you were living in this town and you're like who's going to lead us and tom petty was there you would probably nominate tom petty just because you know who he is yeah. like everyone would be like well let's vote for this guy i mean i know who he is like that's probably what would happen
1: which by the way tom petty is he's so entertaining in his few minutes on screen <laughs> where he's just you know where, where he's just telling everybody like He's like, you know, of course, he and Koster have this exchange. Coster's like, hey, you're famous. Uh, maybe I was once. Yeah. You know, then when he finds out yeah, like he's the postman. I like his total laid-back attitude yeah. the
3: whole time. He's like, <laughs> no, nah, man, things goes really fast.
1: <laughs> and then, like, he almost falls off this giant platform. He's like, hey, you nearly went.
2: <laughs> you know, like, Which just, is so Tom Petty. Yeah, I mean, he's great. Yeah. But, um,
1: Anyway, but so let's, before we get a little bit more into just uh, talking about a few more of our favorite characters, let me just go ahead and jump into the IMDb synopsis here. This was written by King vegeta 8 at yahoo.com, so you can send him an email, tell him that you loved his, uh, his review. But uh, he's, it says, in the year 2013, civilization has all but destroyed itself. After a war that decimated the government and most of the population of the United States, Uh, possibly the world people struggle to survive against starvation and rogue groups of armed men one such group is called the wholeness this group is bigger than any other and their leader general bethlehem has delusions of ruling the country a drifter is captured by the group and is forced to join he escapes at the first chance and happens on a mail jeep with a skeleton in it the skeleton is wearing a postal uniform and the drifter takes it to keep him warm he also finds a mailbag and starts conning people with old letters the hope he sees in people he delivers to changes his plans, and he decides that he must help bring the wholeness down. Uh, so I know, Jeff. Obviously, you, you would write a very different synopsis, but uh, but that you know the basics of it there. You know, and like we say, you know, Costner in this role. This was definitely like a, I don't know if you'd call it a passion project, but Costner was like a hundred percent in charge of this because yeah. his his family is in this movie like right. the, the uh, really yeah the girl the girl postal uh, carrier who like kind of discovers the postman after his hiatus and his injury that's his daughter no way. yeah and like <laughs> when he goes to this one who seemingly town,
2: has a crush on him yeah so that's a little creepy a little awkward now yeah
1: <laughs> and then there's the there's the blonde woman who is the daughter of the blind woman eileen march who is how okay. the postman first gets into a city and they believe him and then the kid okay so justin alluded to this earlier there is a scene in this film where uh the postman is you know on his route and he runs past this house or rides past this house, I should say. Yeah. He's delivering mail on foot. That's why it's a long film. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> no but... Um, but it's so all one take. Yeah. <laughs> the, so he, this kid runs out, and he's just missed the postman. He's got his letter in his hand, and he's so depressed. And then... The postman has postal sense. Like, he just stops. He's like, someone needs mail delivered. <laughs> so he turns around. He sees the kid out there and makes eye contact. The, you know, he's kind of like daring the kid. You know, he's like, you got mail? You got some mail? The, the kid puts up the letter, you know, hopefully – Postman just starts just galloping just as hard as he can. He's just (laughs) going for it. Full steam. And it just is violent, almost misses the letter, kind of just grabs it and crushes it. No, he
2: doesn't almost miss the letter. Almost tears the kid's head off. So so none of that's true. But in in
1: our our, uh, estimation of this film, we always imagined an alternate reality after we saw this film where he did miss the letter. And he grabbed the kid's (laughs) arm and ripped it off at the elbow. Whoop. (laughs) <laughs> because, well, especially
2: uh, because the end of the movie Is they, they erect a statue And that an statue is man. of that moment And then the kid <laughs> looks at the statue And goes that was me And so our joke was he only has one arm And he goes that was me
1: <laughs> Because we are sick We are sick individuals
2: Wait and so is the that's, kid That's we
3: going to the
1: kid
2: is his kid
1: Yeah that's his son After all these years No the little kid with the letter The young oh. kid that was his son Okay. So he, all yeah, of his children just... are in this film basically.
3: Yeah. All of my children will be <laughs> in this movie. <laughs>
1: But the, the other thing about about Costner in this film is like you said he's not his characters are very good. Comment he's a very aw shucks like Kevin Costner always is, but he's somehow inspirational with his lies, and that to me has always been a little bit of like a a moral issue when I think back at the film because it's kind of like so we're saying it's okay to lie as long as it inspires people and it makes things better. Yeah, you well, could be a hero.
2: It's the Dark Knight dilemma where it's the idea that people need something to believe in more than they need. I mean, I guess you could say more than they need the truth, but I don't think that's what they would how they would sum it up. But it's the idea that, yeah, they needed something to believe in and that the fact that it was the actual truth was almost secondary.
1: Yeah. Well, the sad part to me is that his catchphrase, his inspiring line is stuff's getting better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like
2: <laughs> well, that's again. That's the joke. He's a lousy con man, yeah. and that's what's so funny for me is that yeah, when he's like explaining, like they're asking him like, "What's up with the government?" And he's like, "Well, there's a a president, and he's uh in Minneapolis, and his name <laughs> is Richard Starkey, and like the real name what? of Ringo
1: Starr, if you're not a Beatles fan." exactly and uh, but yeah but it's a, but then on the other hand that you have general bethlehem who conscripts him who who you know takes him into his army and there's there's some fun stuff happening in this wholeness camp you know like i first of all like when general bethlehem has all his new recruits out there and he goes mm-hmm. to this guy and he's just like what did you do before you joined this man's army <laughs> the kid guy's just like i had a shovel I dig <laughs> holes. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he's like, You dig holes. Well, now you're going to fill them. You know? And the guy's just all depressed. He's like, Oh. And then he looks yes. at Kevin Costner. He's like, You are a dangerous man. You this know? sounds like Bane as Oh, I know, I was going to say. <laughs> you know but he's more breathy right? than Bane. Yeah. So Tom Hardy interviews <laughs> Yeah. On. Hey, if they do a remake, get Tom Hardy in there as there General you Bethlehem. You can Huge. do it.
2: Well, and it's the funny thing, too. Like, in with with for you guys or i I agree with you guys that i feel like the performance of will Patton is is solid and he you know his voice and his like you know persona and stuff like that uh for like when my wife watched it she felt like he was very small like physically and that was difficult because he is such a short man okay and then he kind of comes across but the funny thing again where it's this is the apocalypse, so this guy was not a military general. This is a copy machine salesman <laughs> that gets thrust into this yeah. because of the the apocalypse. And like again, little stuff like that. It's kind of like it doesn't go to the extreme. And I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like Waterworld, but that's one of the things I love about Waterworld is their attention to detail. Is that there's so much little stuff that they put, and that's why they spent a ridiculous amount of money on that movie. But same thing with this. A lot of the details, I'm kind of like okay you know now that we're getting into the whole apocalypse or post apocalypse like mindset like a lot of this i think holds up
1: well it's it's like it's like when he goes to the first town the the place where everybody meets like kind of like the town hall is a foster's freeze ice cream parlor you oh, know was and, it? and then that's that's where they he meets we talked about Lorenz Tate up top his character's name is ford lincoln mercury because, or Johnny Stevens. Or Johnny Stevens. But he goes by Ford, Lincoln, Mercury. Cause on account of I want to drive cars. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and there's a car dealership sign-up still that has inspired him. But he's the one who really makes the postman the postman he's the character that is is so idealistic and he's so refreshing because he's he's hopeful where everybody else is kind of like wow we got to keep to ourselves can't trust anybody and he's like i just give me something to believe in and i'll run with it you know so the postman tells his lies he takes off and in the meantime uh for lincoln mercury becomes postmaster general creates an entire letter carrier system sorting delivery routes everything you know and that like it's just amazing what he was able and i just i love that about him because you're just like wow like here here's somebody who just has that passion for life and just like you said jeff like they people needed an inspiration and a lie could do it. And he's kind of the embodiment of that. He's like, I was the person who needed it, who ultimately leads to the overthrowing of this, you know, oppressive uh, military regime and all of that. Uh, But he's, he's, yeah, he's just great throughout. He's like cool. And he's kind of funny in some parts, you know, just being right. a young guy. Kind of like vampires, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only another postman can make you a postman. But, you know, also the person we have to bring up whose role is small but unforgettable is Giovanni Rabisi. Oh, man, oh. so good.
3: see? <laughs> <Is he? laughs> that guy. Now, most I people know him
1: from that. Friends, right? He was Phoebe's brother on Friends, and he always plays that kind of mentally deficient uh, <laughs> kind but of he simpleton. He really does. He, That's he, his... In
3: every role that he – wasn't, well, he was in um, – oh, God. What's the James Cameron 3D movie? Oh, oh yeah. He, oh, he oh, that was, was weird. Yeah, he was
1: in Avatar. But he was, like,
3: the leader of the – Yeah. <laughs>
1: He was he was the corporate guy, yeah, which was that a, was the big one that was, time. Every other role man. is like, Dur. well, and he's so great in this oh, film because Kevin Costner, his best buddy when he's roaming the wastelands is a mule, they Bill, and oh. when he gets taken to the RV, so does Bill, and uh, so Giovanni Rabisi is like, you know, he can't keep up with them when they're doing their exercises and all this different stuff. And they they have this whole rule, you know, if you're last in line, you don't eat. And he's like, Aah! He's, like, just so throwing this tantrum. I can't do this anymore, man. And then at a certain point, they tell Kevin Costner that their meal that night is mule. You know, so, like, basically they cooked his friend and fed him to everybody. And Kevin Costner, you know, he obviously he's disgusted by it. So he gives his plate to the starving Giovanni Rabisi And he's like, hey, this is pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's just like
2: see, ridiculous. I he, I thought <laughs> he was funny. horrible. He was um, so over the top and I mean Giovanni Rubisi. but I mean again, again, like this is the apocalypse, so there's going to be crazy people. For me, the one that I think needs a shout out is is uh what's his name that plays the mayor or not the mayor, the, the sheriff. sheriff of the yeah. first town? Yeah, he's oh, yeah, he's yeah. interesting. I yeah. He's I like great. him a lot and he's got a couple he's got the big rah! Postman, do you hear me? That was a good line. And,
1: well, that's that's one of the cheesier moments, I say. Like that—that's that's, that's uh, kind of uh, those. Mo- like I I get into it, but I can see where that could be like you know uh, he's about to get shot well, in a firing squad line. For me then.
2: though, I lose it like at that moment when they're looking because again, if you haven't seen the movie, it's not really a spoiler, but they're like lining up some people to be to be uh, executed, and the postman's going to like give himself up, and then Ford stops him. And then they look down and they're like, we don't even know their names. And then they look around like, yeah, we do. And then it looks up to the one kid with the beard and he goes, I think that's my dad. And oh, yeah, that, even now saying that, that is tough. Yeah. Ooh, that's a.
1: Ooh. So the, the one thing we do have to say, though, is like there is a, a love story that is extremely forced and not believable throughout this film. Where he, because he is this drifter just wandering through town that won't create any drama, this woman whose husband can't, uh, you know, get her pregnant because he had the bad mumps uh, at he one He got the point, bad mumps. <laughs> the bad Not mumps. Not the good
3: you know, ones. He got the bad ones. Don't want
1: the bad mumps. So, <laughs> he, uh, but, so she asked him to essentially be the body father, you know, be the, the sperm donor. Sorry, anybody who's screamish about that stuff. And uh, so they have a night, a night of passionate lovemaking, which doesn't make sense if he is just supposed to, you know, what to say like if he's just supposed to be donating, you know, his seed. She really should not be as into it as she appears to be, <laughs> and like, and, and and that's where he falls at love. That's movie with magic, her. Adam. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and, I suppose. And, and Although,
2: th- let's—I do want to throw in, just as in 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 the postman's defense—is that. Every epic ever made has to throw in a love story. Sure. Like, that's just the rule. And almost invariably, they spend more time on the, the, the epic than they do the love story. So I think they get at least half a pass on that because very few epics have quality love stories.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would agree. I mean, look, she, and she's not a terrible character. Like, the, the character herself of Abby is good. Like, I think the performance is fine. It's just the way it's written. I just don't get that eventually, you know, her husband gets killed by General Bethlehem, and then she gets taken prisoner, and then she helps the postman escape an invasion at one point. And so, like, they get, you know, just... They don't want to necessarily. Well, he wants to be with her. She doesn't necessarily want to be with him. Uh, but then he gets injured and she nurses him back to health. There's all this stuff going on, and she, you know, she's a very like headstrong character, and she's not interested in him. But then, just at the end, after he becomes, he decides that okay, I'm not going to try to avoid this responsibility that everybody's believing in me and wants me to inspire them. Then, you know, she does fall in love with him because. I guess suddenly he's a hero and she's she's interested in in that character trait, but I that's the part for me. Just like I'm, just like I don't know if they really would be in love, you know, and and it would go that way. Um, but the she
2: is pregnant though, so that kind of yeah, yeah. it helps. Yeah, yeah. he says there, that that might be a fact. That's she's my baby. Right mind, yeah. So yeah, oh, I wasn't gonna go that far, ladies. <laughs> Any lady that happens to be listening,
1: yeah. But I did what I did want to <laughs> say. Like the the moment for me that is both. The coolest and the goofiest, but it's just like my favorite, is at the end of this film, so you have the wholeness army, and you have the postman and the postal carriers have been raising up an army with all the other, you know, survivors, and they go out to meet General Bethlehem and his army and basically, you know, take them on after there's been some kind of taunting back and forth, and they've been, you know, sabotaging their their uh, attempts to go into towns and they've been riling people up uh, you know against this uh, this regime that has been in control for so long but they they all line up and basically kevin costner meets, you know uh, general bethlehem on the the postman uh, meets general bethlehem in the middle of the battlefield they just decide that they are going to duke it out and it's just going to be between them Kevin Costner yeah. reveals that he was part of the Holdenist army, so he has the right to challenge for leadership of the clan. You know, he shows his mark of eight. And then, you know, so they they just have a fist fight, which is strange to me because they hardly throw any fights. It's like, or it, they throw, don't throw their fist. It's like Greco-Roman wrestling. Like, they do, they're just, like, uh, yeah. grappling. I actually
3: really liked their fight at the end yeah. because it just seemed like two guys that don't really know how to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fight that's true. Yeah. And they were just, I mean, it was like you said, Adam, there was Greco-Roman wrestling. They were just like, nyeh,
2: nyeh. Yeah, throwing <laughs> each other, trying to squeeze each other's eyeballs or something. Yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, they were just doing whatever they could. And, uh, and there's and, this weird twist
1: and, move where like Bethlehem's kind of like in the, his feet are in the air and they show it twice. Like they, oh, <laughs> they yeah. drop it in at two yeah. different points of the fight. You're like, wait, wait, I guess they just love that move. But but General Bethlehem, he finally gets the upper hand and he's got, you know, he's got the postman, you know, it is in his claws, you know, and he's like, he's like, do you know why you won't beat me? And he's like, it's because you don't believe in anything. He says a lot more, but that's his ultimate goal. And it is, that's what makes me better than you. And then Kevin Costner musters his strength, the music swells, and he's like, I believe in the United States. You
2: know? <laughs> Those guys to be... both sound like 90 in your impression. I just like to point that That's out. That's true. But he gets
1: ultra, uh, u- he gets this ultra patriotism power and he can beat General Bethlehem. But like, it's it it doesn't ring true to me, but I could see how it could have. And it well, would have been awesome. Well, not only that, but it's
2: like, I, y- you gotta know. Like, s- oh, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, Sorry. I was just gonna say, after this much, like, yeah, for me, even I cringe at that one. Yeah. But it's kind of like, he had to say that. Like yeah. that's everything this entire movie has been building up for. I don't know if they could have phrased it better. And especially because he's never said that before at any point in the movie, but like, he's got to say that. <laughs> You and going to say, Adam,
3: yeah, this whole episode so far has just inspired in me the idea that you need to start another podcast where you do one man retellings yes, of any movie you <laughs> don't need
2: to do synopsis anymore yeah. no I just, have, just do, do it
1: just perform <laughs> it i'll
3: just that is the postman and every <laughs> other, character and and every other character.
1: but it'll all be a bade voice
3: you try to do their voices as best you can let's be honest
2: right i might tease you about them but you still do them way better than either of the two of us and justin's a professional actor so come on now all right well great dude
1: i do what i can i do what i can but um yeah so did you guys have any other thoughts you want to get into before we jumped into pitches
2: not me Oh, I'm sure there are many anymore, but... Uh, well, actually, I do want to throw one more in okay. that is kind of... And it's it's the... Again, like, going back, which, I you know, again, we'll get into in the pitches, I'm sure, but is this idea that I love inspirational movies. I love Rocky. I love Rudy. I love, you know, Field of Dreams. I love all of these kind of movies. So this was kind of a setup for me that, again, now you're giving me a sci-fi post-apocalyptic inspirational story. It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's like they made this for me. Um, but that's one of the things. One, again, the fact that I think it is so unique that it does exist as an inspirational post-apocalyptic sci-fi or fantasy or whatever you want to call it. Um, but two is the fact that I'm a very, like, uh, cinematic person, I guess. I always remember things cinematically where, it's, like, I always picture, uh, like, I always tell the story, like, when Justin and I were in, in high school and uh, we got busted for teeping the school and we had oh, to, yeah, like, we almost our didn't else. graduate. And yeah. for me, exactly. We had to, like, give up our right to whatever because we had to admit that we TP'd the school or something like that. In my mind, I hear the score as we, like, I hear the music swell as <laughs> Marching we stand in. up yeah. and we walk to the events, the vice principal. Hey, hey, in our defense,
3: we were the first two to admit it. Yeah, dude. There Nobody else did a anything. Mom. And we looked at each other and we were like,
2: yeah, we didn't Trump say anything. We just oh. looked at each other. It's true. Up. So that's the way my brain works. So, f- again, for me, like, that's the <laughs> that's the fascinating thing for me about this movie is this movie does that, and maybe some people don't like that. Maybe it's too much, but, like, there's, like, moment after moment after moment of those kind of moments. I mean, even right at the beginning when Giovanni Rabisi gets killed and then that other guy, like, you know, sacrifices himself so that the postman can get away. Like, that's this big inspirational moment. They really make that moment where he, like, gets the... Uh, letter from the kid a big inspirational moment even the moment like right at the beginning when or when he leaves that first town and he's riding away and the, the you know the the sheriff yells after him like are you really who you say you are and then he pulls out a letter and he goes dang it and he decides he's gonna believe in him anyway and it's just like yeah yeah and it just for me it just keeps sucking me in and sucking me in and sucking me in so at least like again for me I give it an extra shout out for those extra moments that it uh, that it gives me
1: yeah and I, I will say like I, I do you know I've I picked on the movie here and there but like honestly it is still a film that I I will invest that three hours I will sit down and watch it because it is enjoyable it it has a bad reputation but it, it is a, a a in ultimately it's a sweet film and, and you can you could buy into it or not but it is it is just a a good-hearted film in the end and, and i i think like you say jeff it's we don't get a lot of that you know especially in post-apocalyptic so to so to have that delivered i think is pretty awesome so all right who uh, wants i'll to...
3: choose to remain cynical and silent
1: <laughs> fair enough
3: as is your right
1: <laughs> <laughs> well if you're going to stay silent then uh, i think i will jump out i'm I, I rarely go first with these pitches so let me let me throw my pitch out here and we'll see what you guys think This is called, I've uh, dubbed it, the Postman 2 Totalis. So it's been 20 years since the defeat of the Wholeness Army. The Postman has been unanimously elected to four terms as president of the RUSA, or the Restored United States of America, which only consists of the western states, as no one has found signs of life uh, during exploratory missions beyond the borders of Colorado. So they just believe everything to be a wasteland. Using the resources of the wholeness, they're able to build up the strength of the the surviving communities and begin reestablishing infrastructure such as the Postal Service for Communications, expanded farming operations, hospitals, and education for the children. For entertainment, there's old-time radio broadcasts at very popular Movie houses that show only a handful of surviving films, but their existence is still fairly rural. It's kind of akin to life in the early 1800s, and it's a peaceful nation. So everybody's pretty much founded, uh, you know, they, every day is just about appreciating the joys of life as it is. And that's kind of what the Postman's been promoting. But after stepping away from the presidency, the postman has become an ambassador for peace in the new nation. So he acts as an official intermediary between communities that are in conflict and helps them resolve their disputes peacefully. And life has been good with Abby and their daughter, Hope, who's preparing to be married to a local sheriff named Matthew. But the postman's kind of critical of him because he uses a gun usually instead of appealing to people's hearts and logic. And the current president, a man named Robert Jameson, is worried about overpopulation in their small area as things have really started to expand. And he authorizes the postmaster, Ford Lincoln Mercury, to send out a scouting team of postmen as far east as their supplies will allow on an exploratory mission. Seemingly to expand delivery routes, but actually to find more habitable locations to move the growing population. And it's on this mission that the postmen catch sight of a magnificent city in St. Louis that has all the basic modern conveniences, such as fashionable clothing, basic electronics, and even automobiles. They also find a military base where old planes and weapons are being restored with a flag that reads "Totalis." They learn that this is the government that has been rebuilding itself from the eastern seaboard on and two members of the postal crew are captured by Totalis military guards, while one barely escapes to tell the tale to President Jameson. He's amazed to learn that another nation has risen up alongside their own and charges the postman with creating an alliance between the two countries while rescuing the captured postman. The postman welcomes the company of Ford, Lincoln, Mercury on the peacekeeping mission, but opposes the appointing of his future son-in-law as security and chooses another in his place. But Hope and Matthew secretly follow the postman and his team and rescue them from an ambush in New Mexico by a group of deranged Wholeness separatists who kill the security soldier. Matthew makes the kill shots on the Wholeness soldiers and saves them all, but the postman is furious with the young couple for endangering themselves. He eventually relents and lets them continue on for the journey. Now, before reaching St. Louis, they're met by a totalist military brigade on wheels at the Missouri border headed by their leader, a charismatic man who calls himself Hannibal. They're surprised to be welcomed by the Totalus group with open arms, and they're taken to the capital city in St. Louis. There, they're given the history of the uniting of Totalus and share their own story of rising up against the tyranny of General Bethlehem. Totalis seems like a utopia, and when they're reunited with the captured uh, Postal Service Scouts, they tell them that the amazing benefits of this new nation truly rival their own, and they beg the postman to do what is necessary to unite them so everyone in the RUSA can live in such luxury. And Ford is seemingly won over to the totalist way of life when he's finally able to fulfill his dream of driving a car, which is gifted to him by Hannibal, and and then uh, Ford kind of reveals his disappointment with the way the restored United States has been going then a dark secret is soon uncovered when Hope discovers that the totalist government are actually the ones who engineered the mayhem which caused the destruction of the United States 50 years ago, and that they simply want a clean slate with which to reconstruct the nation to their vision. The plan is altruistic enough. Build up the best society with the hardest-working, most brilliant minds and provide all the basic necessities of life along the way. However, that means exterminating the weak and lazy and poor— Anyone who does not contribute adequately to their country is killed in annual purges. The postman is appalled and astonished when President Jameson arrives, revealing that he was a totalist officer all the while, and that the unification of the RUSA will begin soon. There are many discussions of freedom, rights to life, and mankind's destiny, while Hannibal tries to bring the trio he sees as equals to his side. That night, in their private quarters, the postman Matthew and Hope discuss how they can bring down the plan to invade the RUSA from the inside, realizing that their citizens could never oppose the firepower of Totalis. The next day, the trio feigns acceptance of the Totalis cause and works their way up into the ranks of their leadership over six months, at one point having to prove their loyalty by appearing to kill an RUSA scout team that comes to find them. Uh, and then in, this, in secret, Hope is building a following of rebels to the Totalis cause who have lost loved ones to the purges and realize that it's really a false paradise. Ford is aware of the rebellion, but he chooses not to join. And ultimately, the Totalis invasion forces are ready to begin their siege of the RUSA, but their vehicles and weapons have been sabotaged by the rebels, and their mission is delayed. Hope defies Hannibal in a public forum and incites a riot. Matthew was nearly killed by Hannibal in response to the uprising, but the postman shoots the dictator in the arm to save his family. It's then revealed that Hannibal had a plane in reserve with a bomb that is set to be dropped on the RUSA capital. And the citizens of Totalis revolt against their leader, his true nature having been revealed, and he's murdered by the mob, which causes Ford to finally return to his senses, and he uses his car to help the heroes catch the plane. They're able to overtake and escape the nosediving aircraft via a raft parachute escape vehicle, just as it crashes into the Oklahoma wasteland, the blast of which blows them farther west from the fallout. And they return to the RUSA, and lead a peaceful revolution of the old government uh, uh, of the new government across the eastern united states and then we flash forward to six months later hope and matthew are married and the postman embraces them both in the new capital the expanded rusa as credits roll
3: yay all right i love it nice job dude
1: thank you right on here we are. <laughs> Very excited. <kind. laughs> no, it, it was just one of those things. I was I was trying to think. I was like, how do you – how the postman itself is like such like – it feels like that was it, right? It's like, yeah. yeah like they I was going to say, good
3: job doing a sequel because I yeah. had no idea what to do for a sequel because that, that movie ended just like, and everything's okay. Yeah. Right.
2: Well, especially because it gives you that epilogue. So. Right. Yeah, You did it pre-epilogue, you said, because so, it's 20 years later, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's 20 okay. years after. All right. So, yeah, man. Justin, what did you come up with?
2: Uh, I did
3: a, uh, a prequel. Oh. I did the the story of Nathan Holm. Holm. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, so mine's called The Postman, The Story of Nathan Holm. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, so this new movie opens just like the last one with a voice telling us how the weather has been disastrous and how resources have been getting more and more scarce. The current government is doing nothing to save the people, only stockpiling food and water for itself. There are those that choose to not believe what is happening, and there are those that choose to fight. All of this is told to us as we watch a handful of men approach a heavily guarded warehouse. The small militia slowly and methodically takes the warehouse by force, subduing the soldiers but not killing them. We are introduced to Nathan and Patrick Holm, first and second in command. When the group finishes off the last guard, they enter their warehouse only to find the warehouse is empty. An astonishing amount of blinding light appears all around them, almost blinding them, just as shots are fired at the warehouse itself. Nathan and Patrick dive for cover, but some of their men go down as bullets fly in almost every direction. Nathan and Patrick barely make it out alive, and as the story continues, the two brothers slowly split apart. Nathan becomes the leader of more and more men preaching hatred and death for the government. But Patrick discovers that the government is on the side of the people, and the only reason that resources aren't making it out to the people is Nathan and his growing army. Patrick and Nathan have a final stand, and both men die. However, Patrick's wife and baby boy make it out alive. They find a donkey on the side of the road and walk, as their lives and the earth around them fall into disarray.
2: Whoa. So he's actually Nathan Holmes' nephew? Yeah. (laughs) yeah i like (laughs) Like the animatrix but the anna postman it's true it's true because then you could do like a lot more yeah with the whole like because it was the funny thing too that i I was thinking about is that you know especially if we're talking about today you could definitely get very political with this yeah and so to talk about the hatred and talk about like you could go yeah do a lot building up into that
3: yeah that's why i think like um the so the movie the postman like there's so much appreciation for the government and like, yes, we want to be back to the United States. And like, I don't think that would work today. Like if this movie came out today or something like it, because there's so much anti-government sentimentality, I think. So it'd it'd be a difficult movie to sell, I think, these days.
2: All right. Well, now that Justin said that, mine goes the exact opposite way that (laughs) I now and and with all seriousness, like I I agree, like it and it's kind of again, I don't want to get political, but uh, like it is it's my thought is that because there is definitely that sentiment of the government's doing everything wrong and we're really angry and everything like that, that for me, that kind of like return to the core of America and like not focusing on everything that we've done so poorly, but focusing everything that we've done so well, like for me, that carries a lot of weight. Like if there was a, like a candidate that was preaching that, that would really get my attention these days. So mine, um, and I'm, I've been going back and forth about the exact time frame. my exact, or my, my first one was going to be four year, or my first thought was it was going to be four years after the final battle. Um, in uh uh in the postman but then i kind of feel like that might be too long it might need to be like you know only a year or two Uh, but either way just to backtrack um time frame wise actually let me there's two assumptions that i need to throw out before i start my pitch first one is again time frame that we're talking about is that the postman takes place in 2013 and then abby gets pregnant and has a child so that's probably 2014. And then it flashes forward to 2046, where I'm assuming that everything is back to normal because they live in St. Rose, they're honoring the postman, yada, yada, yada. So for me, that leaves 32 years in between to explain how the government, how the United States reformed. So mine is called the Postman Restoration. Uh, it takes place, again, either four years or two years, depending on uh, what would make sense um, The Postman has organized the Postmen now that he is now the leader of the Wholeness Clan. He disbands the Wholeness Clans and absorbs them into the Postmen. And um, the Postmen now is kind of like a combination Postal Service and Marshal sort of a, they're not really keeping the law, but they're also the ones that, you know, if the Wholeness crop up or if there's bandits or there's something like that, the Postmen are kind of like the de facto military sort of whatever column in and blah, blah, blah. Um, but they're only from Colorado to the West. Um, it's connected, everything, all the different hamlets are all connected, and they're all, uh, um, um, yeah, they've got a postal system. They're starting to communicate and then talking together and they're Uh, kind of, yeah, uh, becoming more established, I suppose. Um, Then in venturing out to uh, some new sites out in Montana, they run across a postal carrier that they've never actually seen before. And the postal carrier says that he's actually from Minnesota and which they have no idea what that's all about. So it's kind of the same thing, like at that one part in the postman where he meets the postal carrier from California who he'd never met before, but it had just kind of started to spurn on. So apparently they feel like the same thing must be happening in the East, that this whole postman resurgence has somehow spread, even without their knowledge, um, over to the East coast. So, um, Ford pitches to the postman that he wants to go back East because we need like the postmen are supposed to be more than just postal carriers. Like we need to like actually bring back the United States and, um, convinces the postman that he needs to travel to Minneapolis because that's where President Starkey supposedly is in the Hubert Humphrey Metrodome. Um, And um, yeah, so he does. They take a a handful of postmen and Ford and the postman and they go to Minnesota and they find that the, the Hubert Humphrey Metrodome has actually been destroyed, which actually might be true. I don't think the Metrodome is still there in our world, but whatever. Um, so anyway, so they go to Minneapolis. It's been destroyed. So then, but then they meet some people from Minneapolis and they meet the postal carrier. They meet and say kind of this buzz starts happening. So, uh, Ford comes up with the idea that let's go to, um, Chicago. Cause Chicago is kind of a centralized location and in, I don't know Soldier Field or some sort of a large building in Chicago. Um, we're going to uh, assemble, and so um, send out postal carriers. We're going to send postal carriers to every corner of the of the, the United States, and um, to send representatives to uh, Chicago. And we're going to all meet because we're going to we're going to reform this government. So they go out everywhere, and they come back in. Um, they get you know. They kind of start slowly trickling in, but then they do. They see representatives from like everybody, and they see all of these people that are still around in the United States. And um, I feel like there needs to be an introduction of a third character because I don't think Ford. I don't think Ford went to high school. Um, no offense to Ford, but I just there was no high school when he came in. Um, they need like an old man like a sociologist someone that understands government and so this person comes up with all of these ideas and says like okay this is what you know this is what it's going to take to rebuild this government the first thing he says is that we need to find a copy of the declaration of independence we need to find a copy of the constitution and we need to swear those we need to like all agree that these are still valid and these are still kind of going in so that's exactly what they do they find those two and then um The postman kind of doesn't want to be the figurehead, so he's there, though, because everybody has heard of him, but Ford is kind of the one that's taking the lead. So he starts pitching, and that's kind of the beginning. They're like, okay, to start it off, like, it's great that you're here, and blah, 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 and yada, 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 and they kind of do all the formalities, and then he says, like, okay, like, we want to ratify the Constitution. We want to ratify the Declaration of Independence, and Texas, Oklahoma, and Maine, or representatives from those areas, say no dice, like, That is the old world, and that doesn't exist anymore. The new world, like, listen, our world is different, and that, like, all of us being one nation doesn't make any sense anymore. So what they propose is what we should do instead is we should have 12 different nations, and then all of these nations can work together and can trade and can blah, 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 but we're all going to be separate nations, so the debate kind of goes from there, and then there's like you know not only the debate on the floor, but then they kind of meet with him one on one. They're like, "What's the deal?" And it turns out like they're not bad guys. They just legitimately, I mean, Texas kind of always has wanted to be on their own anyway. So they're just kind of talking about like, "No, no, no, we've got our own deal, and like we're doing fine, and we don't really want to trust a government again. We want to be on our on our own and everything like that." there's issues like xenophobia obviously there's still like some wholeness like that that residue of we don't trust like you have a whole bunch of like foreigners in your state or whatever uh, the different militias that are still around they don't quite know how to do that w- maybe one place like down in the south like Louisiana is really struggling with disease and they don't have any way of curing disease down there there's some places that don't have power there's some places that don't have food you know like all of these different issues kind of crop up and they're not I mean, they're not like, you know, you don't spend an hour on each one. But there's like, yeah, these are all the issues that they're kind of dealing with. So ultimately what happens is, and I kind of have this picture, which we would need like a buildup or something like that. And it's where the postman, like there's all of this arguing going on. The postman decides he's going to take the stage. He picks up the Constitution and he tears it in half. And everyone's just like, oh, oh my gosh. And it's just like, and, and his, his statement is, this is a new nation. But it is still one nation. And then I even came up like they basically would re-come up with the Constitution. And I even came up with uh, a a preamble that instead of, you know, we the people of the United States of America, it would be we the restored United States of America in unity, peace and justice do join together to record this agreement of the kind of nation we commit to being. They decide we're going to establish 12 new states. Each Hamlet sends two representatives to the Senate. Each state sends two delegates to a national Senate. Every person gets a voice, not just the voices that we want to hear. And so then the end of the movie would be, like, again, everybody, like, they decide, like, okay, we're in. But, like, maybe, like, Texas and Oklahoma are like, yeah, that's fine, but we're just not in. It's like, no, like we're all in or we're like none of us are in and that's that big moment of them deciding like you know we're in on it and so the end of the movie would be all of them signing the declaration or signing the 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 new constitution as credits roll
3: nice so it's like a courtroom drama or like a political well
2: exactly i was thinking it would be like like lincoln was my inspiration
3: yeah totally dude hence restoration Yes. And good title. Thank you. Much better title than mine.
2: <laughs> well, yours fit though. I mean, that's right. what
3: yours was about. Yeah, but I would like every title I want like some kind of like resurgence or I don't know, something, but not like the story of Nathan Holm uh, this uh-huh. kind of sounds lame. But uh but yeah, man. That's cool. George Clooney is definitely this, the sociologist that you're looking for. I feel like is he, well, in all of those kinds of movies.
2: Right. And if you're ever, and again, like for me, and this is again, why, like what fascinates me is that I, I would, I would love to see the, the, the story of how we come back, you know, yeah. like the story, especially, especially now where like I could use a movie with some good hope for America. Like let's, <laughs> let's be honest here. Um, but like yeah, I've seen the apocalyptic movies about the fact that like, well, it will never be very good, but you know, we, we won't die and like uh, but to see something along those lines, like, I don't know, for me, I would find that fascinating. Um, the one thing too that made me think about it is that if, if you ever if you ever have, two weeks to spare or whatever, and you decide you want to read a a book that's about 1,200 pages long. Stephen King's The Stand is kind of like the definitive work on apocalypse and post-apocalypse. And that's essentially what happens is that there's a sociologist that they meet and he basically says, okay, listen, like this is what it's going to take to rebuild society. And yeah, it kind of reminded me of that moment in the second Matrix movie where they were just sitting and listening to this guy lecture him for 10 minutes. So maybe that's not the best storytelling technique, but it's the way you convey a lot of information really quickly, I guess.
3: It can be told while you watch them go do the things.
2: That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, that, that, Voiceovers. That, that's Morgan Freeman. My only concern
1: with, with your pitch, Jeff, is I worry about keeping the interest of the audience. Like, I just wonder, like, is there going to be... There just didn't seem to be like major action. There's like, there's kind of like political drama. There's, yeah, I think you would have
3: to work in a lot more like of the motives behind the people and their betrayal and who is actually somebody would have to be seemingly okay with something, but then behind the scenes trying to because all all of those kinds of movies and those stories need that, you know, you need a good guy and a bad guy no matter what. And you sort of plotted out. In your story, what was going to happen? and Who wanted what? But there was no deceit. There was no like, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. Who who were who's the protagonist? Who's the antagonist? I, I
2: would just need that. See, I, just I don't know. Do you think that. that's a necessity? Like, yeah. can't in, you have in a, movie, in a movie? Yes. Yeah, but can't you have a movie where even the bat, the quote unquote bad guy, or the person bringing the conflict, or the person that the hero is in conflict with, you totally understand, and you're just like. They bring up a good point. Oh, I'm not
3: saying that you don't need it. Needs to be n- not understandable. Uh, you just need you need a good guy and a bad guy. And I, I just I, maybe I missed. It. I didn't hear in your pitch who was necessarily good and who was bad.
2: Well, I don't. I don't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think that there there are people like I guess you would identify with the postman, and there are people that disagree with him. Right. Um. So I don't know if that yeah quantifies as a bad guy. But definitely, I mean, like you're saying, Adam, is that you're absolutely right. I mean, this would definitely not be. There isn't any action. This is not an action movie. The, my, mine is not a, an action pitch.
1: Yeah, like like if it, it feels to me like it would be something that where it would almost kind of I don't know like it it feels like a mini series, you know, like of of just like you're kind of seeing them rebuild slowly, but it's it's more personal relationships and things like that for some that would
3: actually be really interesting if jeff's was like they took the concept of the postman post post postman <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, and you made that like a series you made that like a 12 part or even just like you could do seasons of like the politics of reforming the government
2: true although again like i feel like lincoln did that I mean, granted, Lincoln didn't tackle the rest of the 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 re re uh, what do you call it Reconstruction. They right. just tackled the Seventeenth Amendment, but there was right. no action in Lincoln. There was no there was. I don't think there was really a bad guy. It's not like there was the like we hate all black people and we think they deserve to be in slavery sort of a guy. It was well, you know. there were a
3: few of them, and he had to fight against.
2: Right, but I don't. I don't know. I didn't feel like there was powers. like this one evil man who you're just like oh. But also.
3: I feel like there were there were definitely obstacles in, oh, sure. oh, in yeah. embodied in people that he had to overcome throughout. But also right. that was a, like, this is the man. We are studying Lincoln now. Like, it's a biopic
2: okay as opposed okay. to
3: a political drama.
1: Right, yeah. Okay. It would be a more personal story. Now, that's the one thing I look at, like, too, is, like, obviously, Jeff, you and I both had the concept of, well, there's a, a whole rest of the country that they have not yeah uh, interacted with or that they have not managed to uh explore so like that definitely seems like that would be the, the a big part of the next step is they have to reach out and find more survivors they they expand their their you know their reach uh as to who's out there um but do you do you feel like we really want to go through like the just the struggles of rebuilding a nation or do we want like it just seems to me like for like this this type of film i mean they they dealt with that but then they also put in the you know a lot of action because it was a war being waged and that like upped the stakes in a lot of cases you know there's a revolution happening i mean although i
2: would say though in for a three-hour movie there's not actually a lot of action in the original movie
1: that's, true. that's right. true there's
2: maybe three action sequences in the entire film but and i mean like I, yeah i get that if we're gonna make you know a more action or a drama or a something like that yeah yeah yeah. that that m- my thought is and that's the th- same thing like what i was thinking about with yours adam is that like i totally get especially in that post-apocalyptic like running into another you know another settlement another um um uh nation that's being established and everything like that um the only thing is is that for me again like the author said the heart of the postman is inspiration and so if like if yours could be told in an inspirational way where it's still pro not pro usa because i disagree that this movie is a pro usa movie i think this is a pro like humanity humanity exactly yeah. if it can be told in a pro-humanity kind of a way then that and i mean i guess like with the rebellion and yeah the, the, then like i would totally get behind that where it would be yeah the way to do this in an action sort of a way
1: well yeah because like because my the kind of the morality or the, the you know the premise of mine is essentially that well if you had a fresh start on the country where would you take it and there, you know, there's a group, you know, that basically is saying we want to take it to the absolute, you know, peak of civilization. But there is a, a, you know, a sacrifice that must be made, and that's you get rid of the undesirables who don't contribute to the nation. Which I think is, in some regards, you know, there probably are people that kind of have that view. It's like, well, if you're not contributing, get out of here. If you're on welfare, get lost. You know, like that kind of stuff. If you're an immigrant, you don't like it, go back where you came from. Like that type of thing. So that was kind of what i was tapping into and you know the postman again his whole uh objective in mind is that he's always he's always just trying to keep the peace with people he's trying to help people have you know discourse and conversation and understanding of each other that leads to a better society that may not be you know the most advanced but it but it is you know uh you know a society where people can exist together yeah and again kind of pro-humanity it's like we're the best that we are in our c- scenario and that's what i would yeah go ahead oh,
2: i would say that the tough thing because i mean even as you're explaining that and it's it's funny like i feel this rising up inside of me and i kind of hate it is that if i see that character in a movie in a typical hollywood movie that person is a weenie That person is the coward. That's the one that we're kind of like, oh, get this guy out of here. That hippie. Like, no, we want Arnold that's going to go in and punch people in the face. And it's just kind of like, which is shocking to me that (laughs) that's the way that our society, like, that's the way I feel like I have been groomed through Mm -hmm. watching movies. Um, So it's that question of how do we make a movie not like that? How do we make a movie where that guy isn't the weenie that we want to push out of the way so Ford can come in with a machine gun and blow everybody away?
1: Yeah, well, the, the, the idea was that, his, in my mind, was that his son-in-law, you know, he's against him using force all the time. But what he kind of comes around to is, is just realizing that, you know, there can be a balance. And if you go too far one way, you know, there, there are scenarios where you do have to use force to defend your freedom, the force to defend what's right. And so it's kind of like through the course of it, he kind of learns, you know, yes, there are those action moments, you know, because I was just trying to say, OK, let's have some some epic scenes. But to me, like you you still have that discussion and that conversation is continuing throughout the film to where everybody has good points everybody has you know something to add and he's not a total wimp just because he doesn't want to fight is that he doesn't want to fight because he did in the last film it's just he's trying to find every other option you know to you know to have diplomacy essentially before you take that step so that that was kind of where i was coming from
3: I'd have to say I really like the idea of – and, Jeff, another reason why uh, I don't think it's necessarily a a movie sequel is because it's such a different movie. We went from, like, post-apocalyptic war story to political drama, Um, and I I just really like the idea of taking your idea and making it a series sequel.
1: Or it could very well be within the film – but it's just it's not the main crux of the film where we get into every detail of the new constitution and bringing everybody on board. You know what I'm saying? Like, like sure. that, that is something they're going through and they're experiencing. But it's not we're not dealing with just the day to day, you know, conversations and everything that's happening. Oh, the state doesn't want to be a part of it yet. These guys are making their points like I don't know. Like to me, that that seems like a, a discussion that is interspersed throughout a film, but maybe you don't make the entire film just about that. But just see, I wouldn't
3: mind, mind seeing like a maybe a, even the underhanded conversations and negotiations that go on behind the scenes mm-hmm. of establishing each of those rules episode to episode, a la um, uh, uh, what's the Netflix show. G- uh, cards house of cards house of cards yeah like something like that not necessarily as dark cuz we're not sure. dealing with evil people but just that kind of i mean maybe some people in the negotiations are that evil but sort of the the inner workings the back and forth of trying to establish how that would work and there would be um established you know good guys and bad not necessarily good guys and bad guys but you know who you're fighting for and who you're fighting against um Look, as long
1: as there's an assassination attempt, you give me a little bit of action, I could go for sure, it. Sure, yeah. <laughs>
2: well, and not there only there, that, there, I mean, there could certainly happen. be there could certainly be one, and that was even in my thought, is that, I mean, I guess it's kind of like throw-ins, but it's in their journeying to get to Chicago that there would be, you know, conflict or running into something like that. Um, but then also, again, like, in looking at the different places and their struggles... Like it could totally be, and I mean, that, that could even be a thing too, is that again, especially if we're, if we got three hours to play with, then we can, we can do a lot of damage here. Um, but if one of, like, let's say that, um, let's say, uh, if we're, if we're working on mine, let's say, uh, South Carolina or so, some, I don't know, some place unique, like, uh, like, ooh, what about Michigan? Because Michigan's surrounded by those lakes. What if Michigan is still overrun by wholenests? And so part of their the reason, either maybe they don't send any delegates or maybe the reason that they're voting against it is that they need, help, and so you can throw that sort of in there. Well, then you throw
1: Justin's in there. We get the true history of Nathan Holm, and the postman finds out his origin, and he's like, look! you know, Just like last time, (laughs) he had the mark of eight. This time he's like, I am the nephew of Nathan Holm, and I am telling you (laughs) that you will join this nation. Well,
2: I feel like, yeah, that would have come up. If he was aware of his heritage, I feel like that would have come up. I feel like it could be instead that he is not aware, and like... He finds his mother's ugh, dead corpse. No, that's too much. Uh, he finds some the, the original
3: mule's corpse.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm, oh. I'm just, I would just think some type of documents or something. Yeah, a diary yeah, can... or something that tells the, the story. Yeah.
3: I just think that if you thing. leave it, if you put it in a series, you can go to all of these places from that's one true. episode that's to the true. next. And we can see, like, we can go into Michigan and we can come back to the, um, the central. A uh, uh, stadium, or I forget the location that you would establish, Jeff, um, where they all get <laughs> Somewhere together. Somewhere they're having these conversations, and you can go back to uh, Saint, wherever where they, uh, uh, where he was originally from. Uh, you can go travel to all these different places, and you can have. A war break out in one of them, and an assassination attempt happen in the new capital. There's just so much to be mined from, and this has really not been done before. Reforming of society from the apocalypse,
2: and and that's the big thing. And and again, like that was the other thing for me that I kept. And again, like I said, that's that's one of the things that I have come to more appreciate about. The Postman is that I think it gives a unique look at the post-apocalyptic genre, which has almost been done to death. And so it was that idea of, like, how could we we do it unique again? Because, like, for me – and I know, Adam, you kind of took a fresh look at it. Because, like, for me, if I would have done something like your story, I would have kind of been, like, you know – so you have got the, the postman's whole era and they're a bunch of like peace loving hippies and then you've got, you know, the wholeness are still around and then they have to fight them and they have to realize that their peace at loving ways are just not good enough and they have to give them up so they have to fight and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I feel like that's been done, you know? It's and that's true. why to do it something different, and I mean, even like you had with that whole revolution thing and stuff like that, that that could definitely work, but I feel like that I don't know. I, I wanna see that I wanna see that hope. From one way or the other.
1: Well, I, w- I was definitely trying to make it more mar- marketable. I was trying to make it something mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, it can be like – you know, kind of a right. big adventure film, in addition yeah. to the topics that are going to be discussed. But, but right. personally, I love Justin's push for a series, and we're just saying, you know, it's a sequel television series, you know, on cable, and they d- we get to deal with kind of all these different adventures. And again, it's it's the hopeful Walking Dead, you know. <laughs> so there's yeah, there's so not right. zombies, you know. We we figured out what we're going to do to bring it all back. Now, why don't we just? What if if that's the case? Like, I don't think we need Can to we get into like, every story we done that before. Yeah. Well that, why not? That, that's okay. new there's no yeah. rules there yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> we're rewriting to so, come in and, and censure us all
1: the sequel quest constitution is being written here and now <laughs> And th- th- this is our the 22nd amendment and we okay. are saying I don't know what the other 22 were but we'll work on it mud wrestling yeah. in every episode that was the 21st I know
2: that much
3: <laughs> yeah um, we gotta have them <laughs> one of the ways that they settle one of the disputes is definitely mud wrestling
1: <laughs> no but, but I was just going to say why don't we just throw out who are some actors we want to be involved in this because we don't have to come up with specific characters at this point We're just who right. we, you know because it's an ensemble it's like who do we right. want in there right. you know that is really gonna just give an, an awesome performance who are the the actors and I
3: think ultimately Kevin in? Costner would not be in it right, right. I think well, we unless... would just see all of the different representatives from the different areas and going back to their areas and maybe we would see him it would be one of those things like uh that show Limitless I've exactly. never seen but apparently Bradley Cooper appears every once in a while. Yes. I feel that like exactly that's basically what, what would happen in this show is Kevin Costner would appear every once in a great yeah, while. That works. Yeah. But otherwise, we'd see, you know.
1: I mean, if I'd Lorenz give, Tate wants to be in it, let him be I'd in it. I'd give a throwout
2: to – I mean, what else is he doing these days? I'd give him a throwout. He can be our star. This yeah. could be his big comeback. Yeah, that'd Work be cool. For Don Cheadle. Or, well, Don Cheadle had never really gone anywhere, had he? I
3: mean – Political retelling a drama, I, George Clooney, but it's a TV show, so
2: no. Yeah, uh, not although I do feel it, like yeah. this this feels like a Netflix, maybe Amazon. This feels like an Amazon, so that that mm, you can get a little bit bigger because Amazon's a little bit more like legit, I guess, than the CW. But, um, well, I just
3: don't, I I don't know enough TV level actors to say like this person should be in it and this person should be in it, and all the movie stars I'm thinking of would be like. Yeah, i probably not going to do that. Because even in Amazon shows, I don't... Well,
2: the one I'm picturing stars. is... Oh, now i got to look up his name. Was he in Lincoln? I feel like he's in all of these movies. He was in John Adams, the miniseries. Well, I was going to say as... Paul
1: Giamatti. Paul oh, Giamatti, you got, him, he, he's but... in all oh, of those, too. Oh, yeah, Paul too. Giamatti, totally. Yeah, he's just got... Okay. You know, he's, he'd be ready to go. Uh, no, I was thinking are of... you
3: thinking of the guy who is in Boardwalk Empire as well? Because uh... there's a guy in Lincoln that's in Boardwalk Empire... Uh, he was like the the king boss in New York. Oh no! Isn't um, that
2: Steve? Was, Buscemi, not Steve Buscemi?
3: No, no. Steve Buscemi was. Um, I mean, his whole movie the was about him. But you no, know, big... the there
2: it is. Zelko Ivanek. Uh-huh. <laughs> Z- Z- How do you pronounce his name? He was the bad guy for a while on uh, Heroes. Hmm. And uh, what else has he been in? Damages, The Event, Argo. What oh he... yeah!
3: Oh yeah! That guy definitely needs to be. <laughs>
2: <laughs> z, 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 it's Z E L J K O Ivanek. He's in House American. of Cards, right? Was he in House of Cards? Is no, that the no. guy? That's is that a different What's
3: guy? That? They base. I think they look mainly the same. Who's the guy? I'm thinking. Hold on. Let me. He uh, the
2: hunter on uh, Heroes. I guess he's been in Damages for a while. House of Cards. That? No, I don't okay. think it's him.
3: Michael Stuhlbarg. What? The this guy that's been in everything. And I love him. How do you
1: spell stool bar?
3: Michael's S T U H L B A R J. If you've seen Lincoln, you'll know who I'm talking about. Maybe I don't know.
1: We're we're really relying heavily on people having seen that film, which I did not see. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys imagine it's like Lincoln. It's like it's like, you know, when that
2: well, happened in Lincoln. Let's I'm be like, honest, uh, Adam. I mean, it did win Best Picture, didn't it? So I don't You should have seen know. it. Shame man. on Come me. On.
0: <laughs>
3: You're yeah. clearly oh, William wrong. William H Macy and um, yeah.
2: David Strathairn. David Strathairn. Yes, always David Theron yeah, <laughs> you,
1: you just put him in everything. Jeff, is he your guy? That's
3: true. And Joe Piscopo. Let's bring movie. it way back. Oh,
1: Joe Piscopo. Give the man a Walton
2: roll. Goggins. Oh, yes, he's the guy from Texas. He's the guy from Texas. Who? You guys. Uh, he was the bad guy in uh, in uh, Justified. Walton Goggins. He's now in a new show on... What's his new show? He was in Django Unchained. Hmm. Um, oh, and The and Hateful he Eight. He was in
3: uh, The Hateful Eight. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, he's great. Yes, he Tom is. Tom he
2: eyeballs.
1: Can we get Tom Skerritt in this piece? Come on. Tom
2: of course. Skerritt. He's great. Of course. I, I think well, I, what about... Yeah. Who could be... If we are going to... Would we do like the... And he, I guess he doesn't have to be a sociologist, but somebody that like... The consultant who actually knows stuff about politics... Well, you know who'd be. I great? guess that could be Paul Giamatti. Well, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Paul Giamatti is the. You know what? Is the con- is the socio
3: sociologist. So he would, he would kind of guy. be like
1: a quirky sociologist guy who's kind of like they need him, but he's kind of annoying to everybody, and he's kind of like <laughs> right. he's real prickly. Oh,
2: Adam, do you find yeah. Paul Giamatti annoying? Well, I, I
1: I think he could play it. Is what I'm he saying. He could play like, it. He would be our. Got, he'd
2: be our yeah. He's kind of our Wallace Shawn in this one. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, and it'd be it'd be one of those guys where it's just like you'd look at him and you'd be like, "How did you survive the apocalypse?" Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Well,
1: he was a mole man, obviously. He was a mole no. man. <laughs> <No. But> <laughs> what... <laughs>
3: Good. Wait, so, the oh, the scene of like when you first meet him, he has to pop out of the
2: ground.
1: <laughs> He's got goggles on. He's just, he wipes them <laughs> with his fingers. Hey, is I've it been over? doing a lot of research down here. <laughs> yeah.
2: What's his name? What's his name from um, from uh, the farmer's commercials? Uh,. And he was he was he was in the Spider-Man movies. He was uh, oh, J Jonah, uh, yeah, oh, Jonah Jameson. I know,
1: yeah, I know who you're saying. D L. Yeah. No, Didn't D.L. DL. <laughs> DL Hughley.
2: Definitely. Well, he's got initials Hughley. in his name. D B. Uh, Cooper. No, no D- not
1: D B. D- D- Cooper. We're going back to the first episode again. No, um, we are talking J K. Simmons. There That's it is. See, yeah. I knew it
2: was initials, <laughs> not D L. Hugley though. But I also
1: think we could get like John Voight because he like he was great National Treasure. Uh, Just as kind of, you know, the guy who has knowledge, but maybe he's a little like, oh, you know, all these people, you know, they think they they know what it's all about. I know what it's all about, you know.
2: I did have the idea that what if they're doing this whole thing and somebody shows up, or maybe it'd be really at the beginning, he shows up, or maybe they go to a state and he's claiming the name of Richard Starkey. And he says that's me. They've been talking about me. I'm the president. And he's like a phony yeah. or something like that. He's like he's, a, he's That'd another a con man episode man yeah. where like, somebody's like I'm the president. <laughs> right. And that well I, either either that uh, could that be John Voigt? I was thinking that would sure. be like James Spader.
1: But, but they're like they're like a con man. They're they're a con yeah. man What's I
3: think, uh, yeah. who's the Gary Busey? It would oh be Gary God. Busey. <laughs> No,
2: Gary Busey would be one of the crazy people. Yeah, he's got to be like,
1: one of the holdest guys. That's that's the holdout. Yeah. Well,
2: you remember that guy in the what is it? There's that one random scene in Waterworld where they run across that guy who like wants to sleep with the little girl or whatever. What? You guys remember that weird scene? I do not I recall. Wiped that it one. from my mind. Well, that's probably <laughs> the best. But anyway, so it's just he's just some random creepo like psycho guy who's yeah. been alone too long. So they can always have those.
3: Yeah. Tim absolutely. Robbins.
1: Sam Robbins. Sam Robbins should be in it. Adam <laughs> loves him.
2: He does. Hey, maybe this he will does. be my exposure
1: to him. Finally, I'll watch something <laughs> he's in. Oh, he's gonna be in the Postman series. Oh yeah, I'm all over.
2: Sweet. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Let's see what else. What? Oh, ooh. Victor Garber is he still doing stuff? I love Victor Garber. Victor Garber. Now I gotta look it up. Victor. He is way too. He's. What would you have seen him in?
3: Victoria's he's known season. for playing nope. Jesus in Godspell. Guard. He's like
2: way too refined for anything. He was so brilliant in Oh, Frasier. He's in
3: the uh, the, the Defenders oh, of the Tomorrow. Or yeah, yeah.
2: he's Doctor Martin Stein on the Flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love him. He's sixty-seven years old, but like he would come on screen and you'd be like, "I'm listening to this guy." Like whatever. Yeah. As a politician, oh my gosh.
3: Yeah, he would be like the guy from Maine.
2: Right, he's actually the Canadian ambassador. Oh no, that was an Argo. <laughs> I thought he was the actual ambassador to Iran.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like we got quite a uh, quite a, a group of actors here. That, where we are naming a lot of older uh, older actors, the distinguished actors. I wonder if there's any up and comers where we're like, hey, they need to we need to give them a shot. You know, give them something they can. Uh, establish themselves there could be with. a
3: part of the country that's all ruled by kids
1: yeah oh, it's like spring gosh. break 24 7 like a
3: little like some 12 year old is like i'm in charge of the government <laughs> that's the
1: worst, the sounds worst. like an episode of star trek actually but uh hey yeah. we can actually.
3: go anywhere with this series.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's true it's true we're making it up as we go yeah uh Okay but uh, so we're, we're, it's an
1: Amazon up, uh, series that we're we're pitching this to Amazon we're like hey revive <laughs> this Netflix is kicking your butt with all their 80s revival shows Give people the film of the 90s they always wanted to see as a television series. <laughs> they
2: sorely series. want that they're craving. Well, but at the same time, though, like what was it? Uh, FX just did. I think it got canceled. Actually, maybe not. They did Twelve Monkeys, oh, yeah. which Twelve Monkeys, another post-apocalyptic oh, uh, cult that
1: classic, yeah. wasn't
2: as well received. I don't think. I mean, it wasn't this poorly received. But they did a series based on it. So yeah. Okay. I see what
1: you're saying. Yeah, this, so this, this is ripe for uh, revival and, and bringing it back into the public consciousness. So, well, there you go. Postman the series. Who knew it would take such a turn?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do want to throw one more thing in there, though. Is that, And I think it was you, Adam. Uh, my guess is that you, at some birthday of mine, bought me the soundtrack to Postman. Which I would like to point out, it did win the Razzie for worst soundtrack, which, I, how is that even a thing?
1: Well, is that due to the fact that Amy Grant and Kevin Costner sing a duet over the credits?
2: No, it's not, which is pretty bad. But uh, uh, but it's over the credits. Who's listening to the credits? Come on. <laughs> uh, but no, they blamed the band that's in, like, the actual thing. Oh, for- yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, which for me, especially listening to that album over and over again, like they're not bad. I, I, I want to throw them a bone. I want to see if what are they called? Jan- no, not Django. I've got Django in the brain. They're um, uh, like Jono
1: Bone or something. That's what it is, yeah. Jono. I
2: think. something weird. Yeah, yeah, like giving them a uh appearance or something. <laughs> Bring them
1: back because everybody was dying to find out what they were all about.
2: No, but just giving them a yeah, giving the poor guys a break. Well,
1: I I think it goes without saying that Kevin Costner would be executive producing, so all of his children would once again (laughs) have (laughs) three-star roles. We haven't talked about any. His entire extended family.
3: He has 83 relatives in this show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's. uh, I think that about does it. I mean, because in this case, if we're going to series, we don't really have to talk about posters or any of that. I mean, we've. We pretty much. Well, no, they would still.
2: They would at least have poster art like on Amazon.
1: Yeah, I I think it would just have a lot to do with you know, it, it it feels like it would be somebody delivering a letter with like the Constitution falling out of it or something, or it's just that image of tearing the Constitution since that's yeah. like the pivotal moment. Like, well, I like actually like that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Just the image of like tearing a constitution in half because that would, that would, yeah. that, would be, that would be a nice controversy. Well,
2: exactly. That might get us the wrong audience, though. I'm not sure. Hey, it well, would there would the talking,
3: pictures yeah. of uh, uh, swastikas that um, advertise their other
1: show. And I feel like yeah. Postmed would have to make appearances at college campuses, and there would be like forums <laughs> where everybody's talking about do we need the Constitution? Da da da. You know, like I think I feel like it, it would be a very political show so i I feel like you you tap into that and you see Definitely. what you know, what you can do get the postman to appear in character on uh, on Bill O'Reilly's show or something. I don't know <laughs> <Just> like,
2: <get laughs> there's Fox a nice News. and I can't find an image of it on Google, but uh i did i had it as my backdrop for a couple of years is that well, it's even in some of the logos years, from the postman huh
1: <laughs> for years you had it as a background
2: yeah exactly exactly. I don't change my backgrounds very often uh but it's it's just that it's like a, a backdrop of the flag that ford makes where it says handmade and it says restored united states of america mm-hmm. and it's all tattered and like again handmade and like crooked and i think that's kind of a cool image i don't know if it's oh, as yeah. poignant as yeah ripping the uh constitution
3: we'll have one of those and one of the constitution tearing and you know it'll be a balance good
1: all right. Well, that is it. That is let's just look for it. Keep an eye out. Write your letters to Amazon now. We can make this happen.
2: <laughs> Get him to make I totally it. Am. I know you're joking, but I totally am. I've been caring <laughs> for this most of my adult
3: life. We've got a thousand letters from Jeff Campbell Smith about <laughs> the
2: uh, post-man he, keeps, series. he keeps changing the spelling of his last name though, so
1: maybe he's, he's hard Smithy. to track. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So, but if you got some ideas, you know, if you're a postman lover out there, hey, shout out to. Uh, oh,
2: please, yes, please. <laughs> Let me know you're out there, people. Come on, uh, I've been so alone for so many years. Yes. Give throw Jeff <laughs> Shouted that over the airwaves <laughs>
1: but uh so go yeah but find us online because you know we are ready to chat find us at sqpod on twitter you can shoot us an email at sequelquestpod at gmail.com uh you can always just go to the website sequelquestpod.com and uh leave us a comment there as well facebook we're all over the place The bottom line is your opinions are exciting to us it really does matter we'd love to hear all your thoughts and suggestions for upcoming episodes as well uh we just we just have so much fun doing this every week so the fact that you're uh in here uh joining the joining the fun that matters to us and we just want to know what else you you would like us to cover or what other thoughts you want to add to the discussion well until then just remember stuff's getting better We thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest POD are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended.